We are going to be learning Lakuti Sichas Telukidzain, the second sikh of Parshas Achrei Mais. This sikha is a Siyam, a Masachas Yuma. The style of how we're going to give the shears, we're first going to discuss the main topic of the sikha, which is the idea of Chuva Ma'ava and Chuva Meira, and how specifically through Chuva Ma'ava is the Doines Nasulekoschuyes that sins done intentionally are considered like merits. And we're going to bring two interpretations. How the Zedonis Nasa the I'm going to bring the explanation of the Marsha. And we're also going to bring the explanation of the Rebbe based on the idea of Heksha Mitzvah. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time on understanding the concept of Heksha Mitzvah and how Heksha Mitzvah is like the Mitzvah and how that connects to the idea of Zedonis becoming Schuyas. Once we complete that dis- discussion, we will uh, make a Siyam on Masechus Yuma. So to understand the Siyam, First, we need to first let's discuss a few gemaras that are brought at the end of Masechus Yuma. So on Daf Pei Vav Aleph, the gemara tells us a stira that Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina makes. He says there's a pasuk in Yeshaya, and the pasuk tells us Shuvu Banim Shavivim Erpa Mushuvoisecha. Return, O rebellious children! I will heal your rebelliousness. So the gemara says it seems like there's a stira in this pasuk. At the beginning of the pasuk tells us that Hashem is telling, telling the Bnei Yisrael that they should return from the rebelliousness because they're children, right? Return to rebellious children, meaning why are you rebelling? Because you're a child, you're immature. Which implies that once the person does tshuva, once the Jewish people do tshuva, that means they are now mature, now they are now men, and the sins that they did in the past is only because of their immaturity, and it's not going to be held against them anymore. It's like a child is not held responsible for his actions, but once you become an adult, you will. So Hashem's calling the children, and once you mature, do tshuva and become mature, and then everything that was done in the past was really just out of that lack of maturity. But then the end of the Pasuk says, I will heal you from your rebelliousness. Healing doesn't actually rectify the past. You can only get healed for the future. So whatever... Uh, damage was done, let's say a person was sick, let's say he broke a bone, but when he breaks the bone, you can heal the bone, but that doesn't change the fact that in the past there was some type of breakage of the bone, and also in the future, you'll, the, the bone itself never heals completely to how it was initially, unless you're actually a child where it would, which is interesting. But either way, definitely by an adult, it does not heal completely. So is there still a mark of sin, or is there not? So the more answers, it depends. When is this sin completely erased? Or in the Lashon of Rashi, it's Neker Mitchilas, it's completely removed from the beginning. That's when you return to Hashem out of love. But Khan, but when is it considered that it's only being healed from Makano Lahaba from now and going forward? That's when it's out of fear of Hashem. Therefore, when it's out of fear of Hashem, there's still love, as Rashi says, there's Mixas Shmoya love. He still has a little bit of the name of that sickness or that disease on him, uh, meaning is that there's still some scars left. There are some scars that left uh, from the sickness that he once had. And what's the explanation? So the reasoning is that when a person does tshuva out of ava, that means he's changing who he is. Or in al-pichasidus, he's actually revealing who he truly was. That when you did a sin, 
it was out of immaturity. It was out of a lack of awareness of who you truly are. When a person does tshuva, he recognizes his connection that Hamath Hashem, this deep love that Ayid has, and therefore he's not the same person that he was originally. Originally he was an immature child, but now he's removed that. He's not that person anymore. Now he's an individual that loves Hashem, and that's what he cares about, and that's all he wants. Therefore, the sin gets removed completely because he's now a different person. He's not that same individual that did the sin. But when we're talking about out of Yira, Yira means that you still want to do the sin. The only thing is that you're afraid. There's a fear. So because of this fear that you have of Hashem, therefore, you're not going to sin anymore. But technically, the love, the desire that you still have is for these um, Averis. Therefore, there's still a mark. There's still a scar, right? Because the, the desire is still there. So the truth that you're getting is not a complete level of truth because you haven't changed who you are and, and there's no more mark anymore. But rather is you still want to do that particular way. There's still a desire. There's still a yearning for it. Therefore, you're like a sick person that has become healed, but there's always a little bit of a scar left. There's always that desire that remains. Then the Gemara continues and tells us Rabbi Huda makes a contradiction. That in one Pasuk it says, it calls the Jewish people children, rebellious children, return a rebellious children, I will heal your uh, rebelliousness, the Pasuk we quoted before. But then there's another Pasuk, which is in um, also in Yermia, where it says, I will be your master, I'll take you even one from a city, two from a family which that's referring to the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, he's referring to them as a master and, and, and a slave. So why in one Pasuk are the Jewish people referred to uh, children, and the other Pasuk they refer to a slave? The Gemara says, like Kasha, Kama avam yira, kana that they refer to children when they return to Hashem out of love and fear. But when they return to Hashem only because of suffering, then they're called slaves. So what's the idea? Because even because when you return to Hashem out of love or fear, that means you recognize that he's your father. You recognize the greatness of the individual. A child recognizes who his father is, he knows. And there might be different relationships. There might be a relationship of love or a relationship of fear. But the idea is there's a recognition of who the father is and what the father is able to do. Masha Inkain, by a slave, the slave doesn't have any recognition of the qualities of his master. It's just that if he gets literally punished or he's getting beaten, then he will follow what the master wants to do. By a child, even nothing happens to him, but he knows who the father is, so he either returns to love, or he knows the father has so much power, therefore there is a fear that's awakened within him, and therefore he returns. But it's always because of awareness of who the father is. The slave never returns because of awareness of the father. It's only when something actually happens to him, he starts getting suffering, and he knows that if he continues, he's going to continue to suffer, then he returns. So therefore, when you return out of love or fear, that's like a child. But when you're returning only because of suffering, that's a, that's a slave. Then the Gemara Last more we're going to quote. This is on Pei Vav Amidbeis, just a few lines later, where they're talking about the greatness of Juba. So Rish Lakish says two things. One time, well, the first thing he says is that greatness is Juba, that when a person does Juba, his Zedoinus become like Shagagas. That his Zedoinus, his, his, his uh, Averis that he did willfully, will become like inadvertent errors. And he brings a pasik, Shuvaha Yisrael, Hashem, Akachak, Shaltabamanach, return to Hashem because you stumbled. What's the idea of a stumbling? That's a Shaykh. Aye, but there's another place where Yishlakish says that the greatest tshuva because the averus, the zadonis become as merits. And he brings the Pasuk. That when the Rosh returns from his wicked ways and behaves with righteousness and with justice, 
he shall live on account, uh, he shall live on account of them. That because of those things that he's going to be doing, therefore he's going to be living. So we see in one pasuk it says that when you do tshuva, the, the verse are made like shagagas. So there's still uh, you know a mark in a sense there. There's still something that you've done wrong. But the other pasuk says not only is there nothing that you've done wrong, and on the contrary, there's a dynasty become like suyus. It seems like a contradiction. Samara says again, like kasha kama aba kama One's out of love and one's out of fear. Meaning is when you return to Hashem out of love, then the zedonis themselves become. Uh, like schuyas. But when you're returning out of fear, then you have, again, this is, would connect to what we said earlier, then you haven't really changed. So it's considered like you did it b'shegeg. And, and usually shegeg is translated as negligence or inadvertent. It's actually probably not the best translation for the word shegeg. Let me explain to you what the idea of shegeg means, and then we'll understand the Gemara better. Shegeg doesn't mean that you did it accidentally or inadvertently. Shegeg means in halacha that you weren't completely aware of the consequences of your action. For example, you know, you know that you're not supposed to do an Avera, but you didn't know that if you do an Avera, you get Malchus for it. So that's considered a Shaigig. Ah, you knew you're not supposed to do this. Yes, but you didn't know that there was a punishment of Malchus. So that's considered a Shaigig because you weren't totally and completely aware of the consequences of your action. So that's interesting. So you could do it on purpose, and you may even know that it's wrong, but if you aren't aware of all the consequences, that would also be considered a shaykh. So we're saying, when you do it out of, when, when you return out of fear, what did that really mean? That initially, when you did the Avera, you didn't really understand the consequences. But now, you do. So you're not that same person that did the Avera. When you did the Avera, you didn't know the consequences. Now that you do know the consequences, then you wouldn't have done the Avera even initially. Right? Just like you're not doing it now, that means you wouldn't have done it initially. So that's why it's considered like a shaygi, because who you are now, if that thing would have happened, that would have been considered a, a, a shaygi, inadvertent. You wouldn't have done it. Or, you, or at least at the beginning, you didn't understand uh, the consequences. Mash Inka, now that you do, therefore would be considered a shaygi. Um, but when you do it out of love, that's a much greater uh, revelation. We're going to discuss why this is That's really the point of the Sikha. Why, why when you do it out of love, it's not just that it gets erased of sins, but actually this is Dines So those are the Gemars. We're going to be focusing mostly on the third one. So the, the two questions are, first of all, how do the Zodines Nasleh You did something wrong. And the Lashon the Marsha, he says, that the one who sins will get reward. You did something wrong, and then all of a sudden you do tshuva and you get rewarded for what you did wrong. How does that make sense? Second of all, is the first Gemara we mentioned is that when you did tshuva ma'ava, we said neker, the, 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 the sin is neker the sin is removed. Right from the beginning, as if you never did the sin. While the second Gemara says that the Zodonis are nas that the Zodonis become like merits. So is this the same Gemara? And we're saying, how is it nekar? It's, it's removed in such a way that they become schuyas. Or are we talking about two different things? There's one type of love, which it only removes the metchilas. And then there's a second type of love, which actually transforms the zedonis into schuyas. That's really a second question that we're going to have. So first, we're going to discuss the explanation of the marsha that the Rebbe brings. So the marsha tells us like this. Um, he says, for sure, when, he, he, when he, he does a complete tshuva, and he adds in his good deeds, his ma'is and teven, much more than is necessary to compensate for the din for, for what he did wrong. So meaning is he does tshuva and he compensates by doing many more good deeds than he would have done even before he did the sin. So he did have sin, he was on one level. He did tshuva, and now he does much more good deeds because he's co- trying to compensate and change himself from how he was from before. So he's, he's a better person, in other words, from how he was uh, before. 
So these extra good deeds that he adds, those are what become like schuyas. And that's also the Pasik that we brought in the Gemara, that with Veshuv Rosh and Mishase, that when the Rasha returns from his evil, and he does Sadaka and Mishpat, he will get life because of them. What is because of them? That's because of the mishpat and the staka that he added because of the tshuva. Right? We need to get, but also mishpat staka, aleim chaya yichya. That because of the tzedah, he will do, he will return from his wickedness and he will do mishpat staka and he will live on account of this mishpat staka that he does, that he does now because he did tshuva. So that's how the marshal wants to explain. So in other words, the marshal is trying to say is, that the Zadonis Nasus Kuschuyas means that because he changed who he is and he becomes a better person, therefore he's going to be doing much more Zuchuyas. Therefore, the Zadonis are as if they've become Zuchuyas uh, for him because they push him. They're the cause. The Zadonis are the ones that are the cause to give him the Zuchuyas. Of course, what's hard to understand with this explanation is it doesn't seem like that's what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara was saying the Zadonis themselves become the Zuchuyas. So according to the Masha saying, the Zadonis aren't become the so rather they're just, in a sense, the catalyst that pushes him to do more good deeds. But the Zadonis themselves remain Zadonis. Maybe they get removed, but they aren't themselves transformed. They were just what pushes him to do other good deeds. So the Rebbe gives an interesting explanation to explain the Marsha. The Rebbe explains it like this, <clears throat> and I'm using my own words, an explanation. Um, either way. The vart was Zadonis Nasa Loi Kizchuyas. So the Marsha is going to be stressing on the word Loi to him. The Zadonis are made for him like Suyas. In other words, it's not that the Zadonis themselves are becoming Suyas, but rather for him, how they relate to him, they will be considered like a Suyas. And the explanation is like this When a person has Zadonis, they testify about his character. Think a person has Zadonis, they testify about this particular person that he is a Rasha. When a person has Suchuyas, they testify about his character that this is a person who is a Tzaddik. So the purpose of the Zadonis or the Suchuyas is to really say what type of an individual is he a person that deserves, um, is, is he deserving to be meritous in judgment or should he be chayv in his judgment? So when we're saying the Zadonis Nasa Kuschuyas, what it means is that these Zadonis, which really should be testifying about his character, that he's individual that should be chayev, that he's individual that should be guilty. But these Zadonis actually do the exact opposite because these Zadonis, they are what pushed him to actually become Zakai. These Zadonis made him transform himself and to do tshuva gemura and to be able to do many more mitzvahs, which will make him Zakai. So usually the purpose of Zadonis are to make, are to make the person be, be guilty in judgment. But over here, these Zadainars are made to him like Schuyas. They're made to him just like the purpose of the Schuyas. The Schuyas are to show and to give him a judgment that he's a Tzaddik. So these Zadainars are what cause him to become the Tzaddik. So the, the, these Zadainars, in other words, are what testify about his character that he actually is a Tzaddik. Or, they, they, or better said is, they're what causes his character to change and therefore he'll be Zakai. And that fits, I think, well with the idea of Zadainis Nasaloi. It becomes to him uh, like Sechuyas. Uh, and, and the Rebbe gives a halachic idea where we find a similarity to this by a shtar. So the halach is that when a person has a shtar, a legal document, he's able to, let's say it's a loan, you're able to use that loan and collect payment. But if the other individual claims that this is a forgery, the rule is that you need to get it um, verified, you need to verify the, the document. 
So the halacha is that once it's verified, the, the, when the person makes the claim against the star, that weakens the star. The, the claim is basically saying that this is a bad star. This is a star which is not verified. This is something which is, which is, which is not legally acceptable. But once you actually bring Aden and you verify that this is a legal star, that actually gives strength to the star and it has a much it has a stronger legal status than it would have had before. And according to one opinion in Halakha, for, for, why is that? First of all, because from now on, no one could actually cl- put any claims against the star. Initially, you could have had claims against it. Now you cannot. So now we have, because of the uh, uh, the protest against the star, now that has a longer has a stronger legal status, that there could be no more claims against it. But even more than that, the rubber brings the har that according to some opinions, that when Bezdin needs to verify one star against another star, the only way that they're able, they have the, the star that they're using as the verification has to be a star that once had a claim against it, and the basin took the time to verify it. So they are unable to just use, like, let's say they, they find Shimon ben, uh, ben Ruvain on a star, and they need to verify that this is a good signature. And they have seven other documents that have that name, Shimon ben Ruvain. And all of them they use to collect land, and it's been going on for years. People have been collecting land or loans with that name on it. They would not, and then all of a sudden, with this eighth document, someone makes a claim against the signature Shimon Ben Ruvain. So they cannot take that signature and compare it to the other seven. So look, this is a good signature. We've used it. We've seen it already done seven times because none of those documents ever actually had a claim against it. But once, let's say, but once one of those, if one of those documents did have a claim against it, and then based and verified that this is signature of Ruben and Shimon is a good one, then they could use, use it for comparison's sake. So we see that the claim, which is the purpose of the claim is to weaken the star, but what actually happens, it's because of that claim which weakens the star, which ultimately makes it stronger. Uh, so that's how the Rebbe wants to explain the Marsha. Um, but the Rebbe is not satisfied with it because this, of course, is not doesn't fit with the, the simple interpretations of the word. The simple interpretation of the word Zedonis, Nasalikus, is that the Zedonis themselves are made into Schuyas. Over here we're saying it doesn't, it's not literally made into Schuyas, we're saying that for him, it, it, in a sense, it pushed, it, it served as the purpose to verify that he's a good person. But it's not that the Zedonis themselves are what are becoming the Schuyas. And especially if we know that the word Nasa, which means made, is something which is actually being transformed. It's a Lashon of Asiya, making, transforming. And over here, clearly the Zedonis themselves are not being transformed into something which is a Schuyas. It's rather they're just the catalyst that pushes him, the, 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 the Gavra, to change, but not that the actual Zedonis themselves are being turned into schuyos. Um Just to give a few more details about the Marshal's Pshat, because we do find other Mephorshim that give similar ideas. We have the Anaf Yosef that wants to say, because whenever a person does a mitzvah or an Avera, he creates a Malach. So when he does a, a, an Avera, he creates a prosecuting uh, Malach. But when he does Tshuva and then this Malach stops becoming a prosecutor and actually becomes someone that defends him. How is he defending him? Because he's defending him that he's a person that's done tshuva. He's a person that's changed. So again, we're seeing the same idea. It's not that the Avera itself became a schos. It's rather the prosecuting angel, which was created through the Avera, which testifies about his character, gets transformed, that now he's a, 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 a malach, which is testifying about the strength and of his character, that therefore he should be Zaka, but not that the actual Zod in itself is being transformed. 
another one, we see the Rambam. The Rambam doesn't explain this Gemara, but in general, the Rambam explains the idea of he explains this has to do with the individual, that because the individual once tasted the taste of sin, and now he holds himself back, he's he's able to control himself, that makes him a much stronger individual. So this means is that when a person does tshuva, what happens is he now becomes an individual that is able to, he is an individual that is able to uh, fight against uh, the Yetzirah. So again, it's this idea that the person is changing. So the Zadain gives him the capability to change. So the Zadain, which usually makes his character or makes him a worse person, in this situation, the Zadain makes him a better person because the Zadain made him do tshuva. And when he did tshuva, he became a stronger personality that now is able to control his Yetzirah. And therefore, he's at about tshuva that even the Tzadik can't stand there because now he has a much greater control. But again, it's not that the Zadain itself transformed. It's rather that the person transformed because of it. So the Zadan to him is like a schus, but not that it essentially has become a schus. So just to summarize what you've said until now, we had two questions. Question number one is, what's pshat that zedonis are nas like a schuyas? And the second one was, is the idea of oiker to be uh, uproot his oven right from the beginning, uh, is that the same idea of zedonis nas like a So it seems like according to Marsha, he would say, the reason why zedonis nas like a it doesn't mean literally the zedonis becomes schuyas, Rather, the Zadonists themselves are, te- are testifying, which test- testifying, and even more than that, they're the ones that were the catalyst that made him tra- change his character. And therefore, he will be someone who is Zakai. The second thing is, it seems like according to Marsha, he would learn that these two Gemars fit with each other. The first Gemara is telling us what happens to the sin. The sin itself is erased. And then the second Gemara is telling us that not only is it erased, but actually it was the catalyst that made him become a person which is Zakai. Okay, to continue. So to really understand these two answers, or these two questions, answers for these two questions, we need to go back to the Mishnah, which is on Pehe Omid Beis. So the Mishnah tells us that Omer Rikiva, Ashrechem Yisrael, happy are you, Yisrael, with Nehmiatim Matarim, in front of who do you purify yourself? Or in other words, in front of who, who do you ask for forgiveness? And who is the one that actually purifies you? Who is the one that forgives you? your Father in Heaven. So you daven to Hashem to forgive you, or you confess to Hashem to forgive you, and Hashem is the one that purifies you. And then the Mishnah brings two psukim. And I'll throw upon you the waters of purity, and you will become pure. And there's another pasuk, that the God of Israel is the mikvah Yisrael, which literally means that God is the hope of Israel, could literally mean also that Hashem is the mikvah of the Jewish people. That ma mikvah metaras atmeim, afakadosh baruch hu metaras at Yisrael. Just like a mikvah is metar atmeim, also Hashem purifies the yidin. So all the Mephorshim discuss this Mishnah, what it means, especially what the idea of the two psukim are. The Ragat tells us that the reason why it brings two psukim is because there's two different ways of having purity. One way of having purity is through Zrika, that's by the Paraduma. When a person is touches a mess and he's tame, he needs to have the waters of the Paraduma sprinkled on him. And you need the one who does the purification needs to have kavana. He needs to have kavana that he's spritzing the water on this individual in order to purify him. And the second one is a mikvah. A mikvah, when a person goes into the mikvah, he doesn't have to have any kavana to be able to come pure. As soon as he goes into the mikvah, 
um, and then he comes out, he's going to be pure. Even if he didn't realize he was Tame, he didn't have any particular uh, Kavana, he would become pure. At least Midoraisa, Midorbanan, they, they made Milas Asu, they've made different uh, categories of, um, of, 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 of astringency that you need to have Kavana. If you want to eat Truma, you need to have Kavana specifically for Truma. If you want to have, uh, eat uh, Kachim, then it's not enough that you went for the Mikvah for Truma. You need to also have Kavana that you want to become pure for Korban, etc., etc. But anyways, Midoraisa though, that when you go in, you're automatically pure. So just like by Hashem, who's the one who's purifying in this situation, there's two ways how Hashem purifies us. There's a one that happens almost automatically, and then there's one that Hashem is throwing the waters on us. Hashem is actively trying to purify us. That's really Mida Kenege Mida. That the way how we are doing the according to how we are asking for the, 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 the purification, that is how we have the purification. So, and he explains this based on what the Gemara is going to say. That the Gemara is going to tell us that there's two ways of doing tshuva. There's tshuva miyura and tshuva ma'ava. So when a person does tshuva miyura, it's really because he's afraid of punishment. He's, there's a fear. He wants to continue doing the averis, but he cannot because he, he, there is a fear. So what he's really trying to do is he's trying to protect himself from any type of punishment. And the mela, he has, in a sense, regret on the averis that he's done. That's more similar to the idea of the mikvah, that you're not having a direct kavana to purify yourself. You're going into the mikvah because you want to cool off, you want to cleanse yourself. And then while you're there, you also uh, become pure. Similarly over here, you're trying to save yourself from any punishment. And Bamela, you also uh, don't, you have, you have regret and you take the resolution not to do these avaris anymore. But when we're talking about Tshuva Ma'ava, Tshuva Ma'ava is with a true kavana to return to Hashem and to fix your ways. This is an emesa type of Tshuva. And therefore, this Hashem reacts in the same way, and he does the dezrak aleichem that Hashem throws the waters of purity, gives us a complete uh, type of purification. And, and this makes, and this also explains, as we've already mentioned before, why tshuva miyura, there's still mixas shmayalav. Some of the some of the sin still remains on him. Ma'ashain came by tshuva ma'ava where it's completely cleansed. And the nafkamina is, what's the difference? Even, there's even halachic nafkamina if you did tshuva mi'av and tshuva mi'ura. If a person does tshuva mi'ura, for example, let's say he says, I'm a person's mekadosh, a, 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 a woman, he's mekadosh a woman, on condition uh, that he doesn't have any avers. And it comes out that he did have avers. And then, but then he does tshuva. So when he does tshuva, that cleanses the Avera. So if he does Truv Miura, it doesn't cleanse it from the past. It only cleanses it from now and, on, and going forward. And as we said, part of that Shmutz still remains. So since at the time, there's two problems really. One problem is that at the time that he said uh, that he's going to be Makadashur, he really did have an Avera because the, the, the sin only gets removed Makan Malhaba. And second of all, there's also that Shmutz that always remains, the Smiksa Shmoyalaf. But when he does a Truv Ma'ava, he doesn't have either of these issues. First of all, it's removes the sin right from the beginning right from the beginning and it's completely removed so therefore when he says he's a tzaddik that's actually the truth because that Avera has been completely cleansed and removed as if he never had it so that's how the Raga Chavar explains our Mishnah regarding these two types of Tara and also regarding what type of Tshuva a person does the Rebbe takes this one step further and says the truth is that even when we're talking about Tshuva Ma'ava you could really be Mechalik between two levels of kavana, and and the lower level of kavana, 
relative to the higher level of kavana would be considered as if you had no kavana at all. Similar to when you go to the mikvah. So you can have zero kavana at all, and that would, uh, as we said, midrash, it works for everything, but midrash, it only works if you want to eat chulam b'tahara, but it won't work for maishasheni, you wouldn't be able to eat truma, you wouldn't be able to catch him. But if a person has kavana, let's say, for truma, he can eat chulam, maishasheni, and truma, but he wouldn't be able to eat kachim. So we see that there are different levels of kavana, and even when you have one level of kavana, when you go to mikvah with kavana for truma, it's as if you never had any kavana at all for the inyan of kachim. So similarly over here, when you have truva, but you have a lower level of truva, that's not considered kavana when we're talking about the higher level of truva ma'ava. And to explain, uh, this is so. The, 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 and the Rebbe uses this as the, uh, the, he explains that we're talking about the, the first Gemara P, Vava Manalf, which talks about that the necker of Vayne Mitchila, that's one level of Truva. But on P, Vayav and Bezman says the Dainis Laskas Chuyos, that's a whole different level of Truva. It's two totally different levels. And Bikitzer, the difference is, between them is that when it's Necker of this is when a person does Truva because he reveals within himself his great love for Hashem. So therefore, he reveals this love that he has from Hashem. And when he is able to reveal that love, there is never a sin in the first place. But when it's Zadoinis Nasus this is because of the veil that he has, he has a great thirst for Hashem. It's like a person that's in a desert. And when he's in the desert, he's not just regularly thirsty. He's much more thirsty than he would have been. So what happens is when you want that water, it's not just you just want water like you would have done initially. You want water with a much greater passion and urge than someone that's not inside of the desert. So therefore that A, that ch- so what happens is you, that same idea is by Avas Hashem. When a person's very far because he did a virus, then his Avas Hashem comes because of a great thirst. So therefore that changes who he is. And not only does it change who he is, it also changes the Avera that he did. Because since the reason why he has this great thirst is because he feels distant and far from Hashem, that's because of the Zadin, that's because of the Avera he did. So not only does he change, but even the Chafsa changes, which is the mile of the Rebbe's Pshat over the Pshat of the Marshal, which only the person changes. Here we're saying is that because the person changes and the love that he's creating within himself is a love that comes from a great thirst from being distanced and far from Hashem therefore even the Chafsa the, the Zadainists themselves will change because they were the ones that were a catalyst for that to happen and we'll explain uh, more how that actually happens technically in a moment but that's the, the main point over here um, so so these are two different levels. So when you just have the first level of Ava, that would be considered like an Ava without Kavana. That's therefore it's just Nekar Vayna But when he has the higher level of Ava, this is considered an Ava that transformed the Zadainus to Schuyas, and he will be able to, um, that actually transforms who he is. And the Rebbe brings a proof for these two different levels of Ava. Because there's a Gemara in Ksubis, uh, on, uh, sorry, Gemara in Kedusha and Dafam Chesem and Tes, uh, which discusses a person that goes and he says he's Makadish and Isha on Almanasi, he's a Tzadi Gomer, but he was a Rasha Gomer. So, so the, the Allah is that he's Mukadashas, and the Farshim say he's Mukadashas Masafi because maybe he did Tshuva, maybe he had a thought of Tshuva inside of his mind, and he actually became a Tzadi Gomer. So the Kshayla is wait a second, if he Taka did do Tshuva, so if he did Tshuva Miyura, he's still not a Tzadi Gomer because a Tshuva Miyura, we said Miksas Shmuelav, there's still some of that Shmut still there. And if he did tshuva ma'ava, then zadoinus nasaloi kishuyis. And and we know that a b'makom shabal tshuva oimid enyet tzadikim yagmur and lechem la'amid. But he's not even a tzadik. He's actually much greater than a tzadik. He's a bal tshuva. And the lacha is regarding kedushin that everyone agrees that when a person changes his his his, his yuchsin, changes who he is. Um, 
that will be considered a, you know, and he made his marriage conditional, or he told the woman, I am marrying you on condition that, I, let's say I'm a levy, and it comes out that he's a kain, even though you might think, oh, a kain's much better than a levy. But it doesn't matter because the woman might specifically prefer a levy because a kain has, um, there are certain milas, but it comes, of course, with certain restrictions, uh, which, which she wouldn't want. Similarly, if she says, I, the guy says, I'm a poor person, he really turns out to be a rich person, it seems like it's a much better situation. The truth is it's not because when you're rich, you're in a different part of society, you have different types of uh, responsibilities. She might be scared that she, he will look down upon her, that he's a rich man and she comes from a poor family. So therefore, you have to. if a person changes who he is, it doesn't actually work. So similarly over here, when a person says that he's a tzadigomer and the truth is he's either, uh, and he's not, either because he's only the tshuva miyura, so he's still not a tzadigomer, or it's because he did tshuva ma'ava and therefore he's... Um, even greater, he's a Baal Tshuva who's, who's greater than the Tzaddik. Either way, it shouldn't work. He shouldn't even be self-mikudashas. Elamai, the answer is that there's two levels of Tshuva. There's Tshuva Ma'ava, where it's Neker Avoyna Metchila, which that basically means is he's the same as a Tzaddik. What, of this first level of Tshuva, where it's Iker Avoyna Metchila, what it really means is he reveals his true connection to Hashem that he always had. He reveals his Ava Musateris that he has for Hashem. So when he reveals that, he's basically the same thing as a Tzaddik. Just like a Tzaddik always wants to do what Hashem wants and has a great love for Hashem. Similarly, this person, when he did Tshuva Ma'ava, what it means is that he has that same level of Ava like a Tzaddik has. And that's just like a Tzaddik doesn't want to do an Averis, this person doesn't want to do an Averis. Just like a Tzaddik wants to do Mitzvahs, this person wants to do Mitzvahs. But he's not any different than the Tzaddik. He's really just a Tzaddik Amr. So same thing when it's when it's when it's a type of tshuva where it's zadoinus nasaklas this comes with a much greater thirst. It changes who the person is. He's actually on a greater echos. He's a greater quality than the tzaddik. Tzai because his averus themselves are transformed, but they're not transformed into regular mitzvahs. They're, it's a type of transformation when the darkness becomes light. When it comes with a thirst and an, and an urge, and also the person himself, of course, changes. Therefore, that would be the davenam. The rabbi says this is me'ena chachat, similar to a proof. It's not mamish a proof, but it's like a geshmaka way of explaining. In this Gemara of how uh, when he says Amnas that he's a tzaddik, if he does tshuva, either if it's tshuva miyur, it's higher or lower. If he does tshuva ava, he'll be greater. Alamai, there's two different levels of tshuva ava, and this Gemara is talking about a tshuva ava where only erases the sin but doesn't actually transform the zadoinis into zechuyes. Uh, it's only a me'enahacha because technically, you know, when a person makes conditions, it's usually what the person has in mind. When a person says on condition of tzaddik gummer, it could be that a, a regular person just thinks. It means that I don't have any sins. So like Chuv Miyura, Chuv Ma'ava, any type of Chuv Ma'ava, he just means that I'm not a sinner. I'm not a Russia. Rather, I'm a righteous person that does good things. He wasn't talking about what level of righteousness do I have. Am I just like a regular tzaddik or a Baal Chuvid who's greater than a tzaddik? But Pashas, a person just has in mind that, you know, he's not a sinner. Rather, he's a good person. So it could be that's what the Gemara is talking about. But according to the Rebbe Shat, it fits in beautifully. It fits in perfectly that it's, uh, 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 that it's a Chuv Ma'ava, which is Nekar Avoynei uh, Mitzchila. So next, what we're going to discuss is how exactly does it work that the Zadonis Nasalis Chuyas? True, the Zadonis brought him to this higher level of, uh, the Zadonis brought him to this thirst to become connected to Hashem, but still, the Zadonis themselves is something negative. Yes, it had a positive outcome, but how does that make the Zadon itself a mitzvah? How does that make it itself a Chuyas? And that's what we're going to discuss in the next part of the Shir. Okay, so just to summarize what we said until this point, that according to the Rebbe's beer, when we say Zadainus Nasalekus it means literally the Zadainus becomes Chuyas. And the reason for this is that the Zadainus, they are what create the thirst within the person to become close to Hashem and to do more mitzvahs.
According to the Marsha, it was just that the Zedinus pushed him to do more. Since he did something wrong and he did tshuva, now he does much more than he needed to do. But it's just that the Zedinus are one thing that's causing a second thing. He did something wrong, he wants to improve what he's done, so therefore he's going to be doing more mitzvahs. But it's not that the mitzvahs essentially had changed. So in other words, the Zedinus push him to do more mitzvahs, but there could be many reasons why pushing a person could be pushed to do more mitzvahs. Uh, he could be inspired. He can have someone telling him to do something. He can be more educated. Over here, the reason why he's doing more mitzvahs is because he did something wrong and he did tshuva. But the Zedinus are not making any dif- they're not making any difference to the new mitzvah. It's just a reason why it's A causing B, in other words. But over here, we're saying is that the Zedinus, Nasuk Schuyas, is that the Zedinus themselves are what are creating the thirst. So the Zedinus are an essential part in the new mitzvahs because the Zedinus themselves are what is causing the uh, thirst. So that's how we explained it until this point. Now we're going to continue to explain this idea, because still it's hard to understand that even if the Zedinus are what are creating the thirst, why did that itself become a schus? We're going to explain it now. That there's such a concept as a machshir mitzvah are like the mitzvah itself. And they have the same gedarim of the mitzvah. So the, uh, the Rebbe gives a bunch of examples. The first example the Rebbe brings is from uh, where over there it's machlekes in the mission between Rebbe Yezu and the Chachamim and Rebbe Kiva regarding if the machshire mila are doicha the mila. For example, if you need to sharpen the knife or you need to light the coals in order to sharpen the, 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 the you need to light, light the coals in order to make to cut the wood to make coals in order to make the the iron for the knife. Are you allowed to do that on Shamas itself? So according to Beliezer, you can. He learns it out from um, different Lamudim. Uh, but according to Rabbi Akiva, you cannot. So what is the logic over there? So the logic is the Machshir Mitzvah, they themselves have the same, Chashivas have the same importance of the Mitzvah itself. So just like by Mitzvah's Mila, it's Deich HaShabbos, B'yem HaShmini, So same thing regarding um, same thing regarding the Machshim of Mila, they have the same importance to also be Doicha Shabbos. So, we're seeing is that the Machshir has the same Chashivas as the Mitzvah itself. So, this is connected to the idea is that over here the Zedainis were the Machshir. Because in order to get that thirst, you needed to have the Zedainis. It's an integral part of being able to do uh, the, 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 the Mitzvahs. The second example the Rabbi gives is from the Yushalmi. Which he says is even a, 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 an example of a, a, of a greater meta- measure of the machshir becoming the mitzvah. Because Yushalmi tells us, this is the Yushalmi in Brachas, Perk Tes, Allah that he says what types of, he's going through the different Brachas that you make on different mitzvahs. So he tells us that when you make a sukkah, you make a mitzvah vlasis a sukkah. When you uh, ma- make the, 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 the lulav, I think he says the mitzvah is to make lasis, a sukkah latzma, he makes the Brachas, vitzivanu lasis lulav. By tzitzis, lasis tzitzis, and oh, same thing by tefillin. So the question is, there's no mitzvah l'chayra to make the sukkah. The mitzvah is to sit in the sukkah. There's no mitzvah to make the tefillin. The mitzvah is to put the tefillin hanacha, to put it on yourself. The mitzvah is to put the tzitzis on you. So what, what do you mean you're making a bracha when you're making the tzitzis or when you're making the lulav or sukkah? So the explanation is, this is given by Reperla in his Sefer Mitzvah Larasag. He says is that any time you have a hechsher that's needed, a hechsher which is needed in order for the mitzvah to be accomplished, you would actually make a, a bracha on that mitzvah. And you make a bracha, the Rebbe explains what's the logic behind it. The logic is because since you need to have done that 
Since this particular pu'ula, this particular act needs to be done in order for the mitzvah to be able to be fulfilled, it must be that when Hashem gave you the command, it was nichlal, it's included within the mitzvah. Meaning Hashem only gives us commands, what we're, uh, which when Hashem gives us a command, part of that command is to do everything that's needed in order for the mitzvah to be fulfilled. So since in order for the mitzvah fulfilled, you need to do all the machshir, you need to set and prepare all the things that need to be prepared. Therefore, um, they would be included in the mitzvah. Just to maybe give an example, is that when you hire someone to fill out a form, and the form, you know, you pay him per hour. The form should take just take five minutes to fill out. You know, it's a bunch of yeses and nos. You get back a bill for four hours worth of time. So you say, what do you mean? It was five questions. It's a yes or no. It should have taken you five minutes. Why did it take you four hours? So he says, oh, because you hired me to fill it out, but I needed to read it also. So the reading took uh, three hours and 55 minutes, but to answer yes or no for the bunch of questions over there, that actually just took me five minutes. So it's a similar idea over here. Yes, the mitzvah is just to do the mila, but in order to do the mila, you need to have the knife. You need to have all the other things that you're going to need. Therefore, it's nichlal, it's included uh, within the mitzvah itself. And therefore, according to Rebilezer, he says, you actually would have the same gedarm, same chashivas as the mitzvah. Meaning is, in, just like in order to do the mila on Shabbos, you need to actually cut the flesh on the Shabbos, so you'll be chalal Shabbos, but you need to in order to do the mitzvah. Similarly, literally for all the other things that you need to do prepared to do the mila, that would be just as important, because how are you going to be able to do the mila if you can't make the knife? So for that would also be doich uh, Shabbos, and the Yushalmi says even more that it's not just that it's... Uh, uh, th- that has the same chashivas, but he says you can even say the words vitzivanu that Shem commanded us. The Rebbe does give a second oifen of how to explain it. This one is, is mashma that it's part of the mitzvah itself. That when Hashem gives us a command, part of that command would include within it the machshir. So it's not the mitzvah itself, of course. It's within a mitzvah. There's also the machshir and that go with the mitzvah. So the main mitzvah, of course, is to do the act itself. The machshir is only if you need to do the if you need it. So, for example, if you already had a knife, or if you already had a lulav made, you had already had a sukkah made, you don't need to go make a sukkah for yourself. But, uh, but, but um, when you do need to do it, that would be considered part of the mitzvah itself. And therefore, you can even make a bracha on it. So that's one way of looking at it. That does give a second option, which is that not that it's that it has to do with not that it's included within the mitzvah that it has, but it has the same chashivas of the mitzvah itself. That's the second option. Meaning is that the mitzvah, of course, is just to do the mila. But since you need to do the mila, you need to have other um, things that need to happen first. Therefore, they become just as important as the mila itself. Because if you can't do the mila without it, then you're not going to be able to fulfill that mitzvah. So the things that bring you and give you the capabilities to do that mitzvah have to have the same uh, importance as, as option two. Because... I mean, it's the logical reasoning being is because if you need to do B, but you can't do B without A, but A you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. I can't do A on Shabbos, but you need to do B on Shabbos. But you can't do B without A, so then it's it's uh, you're you're back at square one. Elamai, when Hashem tells you to do B, B is the mitzvah. But in order to do B, you need to be able to do A, so the A gets the same chashivas as B itself. Uh, that would be according to Rebeliezer, and according to Yushalmi, is it's not just that it gets the same level of importance, but it actually even gets the gather of a mitzvah. That, it, that Hashem's, in a sense, giving a mitzvah to be able to do the machshir. So the machshir won't be the mitzvah, let's say we're talking about mitzvah sukkah, so the building of the sukkah isn't the mitzvah sukkah itself, but it, since in order to do the mitzvah sukkah, you need to be able to, uh, to, do, to make the sukkah, so it's as if Hashem gave a command to make the sukkah itself. So, so the differences between these two ways, I know they sound very similar, but the differences is that according to the first way, it's actually all one mitzvah. 
It's just that in this one mitzvah, you have different parts of it. You have the parts which is the main parts, and then you have the parts which are machshirin. And the machshir, not necessarily do you need every single time, but when you do need it, it has the same level of importance as the main mitzvah, but it's all part of the same mitzvah. According to the second option is, no, the mitzvah itself is really make, is sitting in the sukkah. The mitzvah itself is the katamila. But there's a second mitzvah, uh, again, the difference between Rabbi Yezer is it wouldn't be a mitzvah, it would just be the level of achshivs, but according to Shalmi, it would be literally like a, a second, ilu, a second mitzvah, which would, uh, which is telling you that when Hashem commands you to do a B, therefore there's as if Hashem gave you the command also to do A, because it's impossible to do B without A, so therefore it's as if Hashem gave you that command uh, to, to do A also. Uh, the Rebbe doesn't give any nafkminas, what would be the difference? But just one thought, since we're talking about the whole idea over here is the idea of schuyas, the difference papashas would be what type of schus are you getting over here, what type of schar are you, is connected to these mitzvahs. According to the first option that it's the 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 hechsher's part of the mitzvah itself. That means you'd be getting part of the schus of the mitzvah. Uh, again, it's not the mitzvah. You know, when you're building the sukkah, that's not the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. So if you just built the sukkah, but Bapayal never actually sat in the sukkah, then you didn't fulfill the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. But you get some part of that mitzvah which is in the hechsher. So whatever level or percentage you get, I don't know, but you would get the hechsher level mitzvah schar of doing that particular mitzvah while according to the second option it's actually not that mitzvah at all it's, it's a second there it's a second mitzvah uh so it's not the build it's not the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah it's not a it's a hechsher of the sukkah which is its own mitzvah so therefore it would be some other type of uh uh mitzvah that you're begetting uh, be i guess just maybe a general mitzvah of, uh, of um fulfilling what hashem wants i'm not sure but that maybe that would be a possible difference between these two ways um, just to give a, a, an example of where we see this in another sikh of the Rebbe, the Rebbe talks about the mitzvah of of Talmud Torah by the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So women don't have a mitzvah of learning Torah, but they do have a mitzvah of helping their husbands learn Torah and their children learn Torah. And there's another mitzvah is that they they have to learn Torah for and know the halachas that they need to know in order to fulfill all the mitzvahs which are relevant to women. So the Rebbe explains over there what's the difference between these two things. There's there's the learning that you there's the helping and assisting your husband and your son, and then there's the learning that you need to do for yourself in order that you know the know the halachas. So it says the difference is that when you're helping your husband and your son, they actually have a mitzvah of Talmatira. So you're being mishtatif in that mitzvah of Talmatira. So you're getting part of the, the schar, you're getting part of the mitzvah of Talmatira because you're part of that mitzvah. Masha Inkin, when she's learning Torah in order to know the mitzvahs that she's doing, she's not getting the mitzvah of Talmatira because she doesn't have that mitzvah of Talmatira. This is a mitzvah of knowing the halachas that she needs to know. She gets So she gets a mitzvah of learning Torah in order to know what her, what her mitzvahs are. Uh, so that would be not the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, that would be its own mitzvah, the mitzvah of learning Torah, I guess it would be similar as we're saying over here, there, this would be like the mitzvah of, of a hechsher, that you, there's a certain, there, since you need to be able to do the halachas, and the only way to be able to do the halachas is to learn the Torah, so you get a mitzvah for, for learning that Torah which is connected to the halachas, but it's not the mitzvah of actually doing the uh, halachas, and it's not actually the mitzvah of learning Torah, it would be its own gather. Fine. Uh, the third example the rabbi gives is from Hailachas Adam to the, on to the Mizbech. We know that when a person would bring a carbon, a Kayim would bring it, there's four Avaidis. There's the Shrita, there's the slaughtering, there's the Kabbalah Saddam, 
and then there was the taking of the blood to the mizbech, and then there's the zrika, the sprinkling on the, of the blood on the mizbech. So halacha not necessarily was needed every single time. It really depended where you shechted, shechted the animal. If it was right next to the mizbech, uh, then you could accept the blood in the kli and spritz it right on. But if you're far away, then you needed to walk. So the mitzvah in the Torah that says that you need to do is actually zrika. It doesn't mention that you need to do halacha in the Torah. Just as you needed the mitzvah of the carbon is to sprinkle it on the mizbeach, to do zrika on the mizbeach. But the halacha is that these four avoidus are all considered avoidus in the base of Mikdash when it comes to the halachas of of machshava, let's say pickle, for example. The halacha is, this is, I'm just giving you an example, but it's really any thought that could possibly the carbon would be by any one of these four avoidus. For example, if you had a thought that you're going to, uh, let's say you're going to eat the carbon in a week's time, so that's in, but you're supposed to eat it within a, depending on the type of carbon, either within a day and a night or two days and a night. Anyways, you're saying you're eating in a week's time. So that carbon now becomes pigal, and even if you shechted and you do everything properly, the zrika, you know, and you taki even eat it in the wrong, you know, uh, even if you ate it in the right time, that carbon is possible, it's pigal, and the truth is, if you eat the carbon now, you'd be chayv karas. Um, so the rule is, it's not only if you had a machshavah's pigal, let's say by the zrika that that would mess up the carbon. Even if you had machshavah's pigal by the haylachas haydam, that would also make it pigal, even though the halachas adam is not necessarily something which is necessary. But since in this particular situation, it is mochrech, as you did it at uh, the distance of the mizbeach, since it's necessary, not only would it passel the halacha, but it also passels all the other three avidas that you've done. It makes the entire carbon passel. So this is here another example where you have a machshir. The machshir is just the halacha. It's a machshir to be able to do this. Rikavarai, that's only a machshir, is because, again, if you don't need it, you don't need to do it. Uh, it's only if you're far away. But nonetheless, once you need to do it, once you need this machshir, it's not only the pshat that it's um, that that it's it's a machshir, but it becomes an avoid of fneatzma. So it's a machshir, but it's a machshir which is an avoid of fneatzma and has all the rules of of, of a regular avoida. It's not then and the chiddush over this halacha over the previous examples that we gave from Rabbi Yezer and Yushalmi is that over here by halacha it has its it has its own gedarim. It becomes its own avoidant on its own. But Rabbi Yezer and the Yushalmi, it's more as we saying it has the chashivas of the mitzvah. It becomes a, 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 it might have the same schar as the mitzvah. It has the same importance of the mitzvah. But it never could, in a sense, passel the mitzvah itself. Like if you didn't, uh, let's say you didn't sharpen the knife and you did the milah, I mean, assuming that you did it properly, you still did the, you still get the mitzvah. So the machshir wouldn't be able to have an effect on the mitzvah itself, the main mitzvah. But over here we're saying is that this machshir is so important that since you have to do it, it becomes an integral part of the avayda, and it actually would have all the halachas and the gedorim of any other part of the avayda, and it could even pass the carbon. And then the Rebbe gives a fourth example, which is by any type of avayda, with it, which is in the base of Mikdash. Um, not just halacha, any type of avayda in the base of Mikdash, which doesn't complete the process. Let's say you do shechita. So shechita does, isn't, is never the end of the, uh, of the process. You do gadi shechita, kabbalah, halacha, zrika. So let's say azar does the shechita. So the shechita is really just haichan, it's achshara, be able to do the kabbalah. The kabbalah is achshara to do the halacha, and the halacha is achshara to do the zrika. So the rule is only if the czar does the zrika itself would he be chayev uh, misa. But if he does any of those other three, which is aser, he wouldn't be chayev misa. Why? Because it's just an achshara. So we still see that even though that these things are achshara, but nonetheless... They 
have uh, part, uh, they, they still have certain dinim and gedorim of the avoida itself, and therefore their azar is not allowed to do it, even though uh, they won't be chav misa, but this is something that would be also to do. I, it's just an hachshara. So we see that in the base of Mikdash, with any of these avoidas, even though it's just a machshir to be able to do the zrika, but nonetheless, all the things that lead up to it, even though it's not the mitzvah itself, if you did all those things, but you don't do the zrika, you didn't do the mitzvah. They're just a makshu to be able to do the final process, which is doing the zrika and the mizbech. Nonetheless, it's also for the czar to do. So from all these examples, what we're able to see is that a heksher of a mitzvah has the same gather to varying degrees as the mitzvah itself has either the same cheshivas or it's nichlal within the mitzvah. So going back to our example of zedainus nasalikus this would mean is since the zedainus are needed in order to to, uh, to to be able to do tshuva ma'ava, as we're saying is that it's the zedainus, but give the person the thirst and the drive to trans to 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 transform himself uh, and, and to serve Hashem with this uh, thirst and urge uh, to become close to Him. Like a person who's coming, uh, thirst, like a person coming out from a desert. Therefore, that is an essential part of the Avaida. It's talk, it's only a hachshar, because the Avaida itself is to do tshuva. But still, since it's what's needed in order to be able to do the mitzvah, therefore it has the same chashivas as a hachshar. So just like the hachshar in all those cases, you could even say a mitzvah, it could passel the Avaida, uh, you're able to mimchal Shabbos in certain scenarios, according to Abeliezer. All those examples are showing is that something which is technically should be just a rishos, making a knife is something with a rishos. It's not a mitzvah to make a knife. Nonetheless, you're able to be machal shabbos. Why? Because it has the same importance as the mitzvah itself. Uh, cutting a, bran- a lulav branch off a tree is just cutting a branch. But since it's in order to make a lulav, we're saying you have to make a mitzvah. You're making a mitzvah to cut this branch off 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 the tree. Why? It's just a rishos. LMI, because it has the same importance as a mitzvah. You did a azad and you did an avera. So this avera is, of course, not something which is good. But nonetheless, since the zadin is what gives you the capability of doing tshuva ma'ava, that would have the same gender as the haksha, and therefore it have, would have the same um, qualities as any other haksha mitzvah. And therefore it could be considered zadinus nasas So this would be the halachic pshat. How could zadinus nasas The reasoning is because it has the gather now of a haksha mitzvah. So that is how the Rebbe explains until this point. Now the Rebbe asks two very important questions on this idea. Question number one is that when we say Zdeinus Nasdalikus it's implying that the Zdeinus themselves become like a Zchus, become like the mitzvah itself. According to what we're explaining about a Heksher, a Heksher never becomes the mitzvah itself. A Heksher becomes, as we said, like a secondary to the mitzvah, it might have certain cheshivas like the mitzvah, but it never becomes the mitzvah itself. For example, let's say according to Yishalmi, when you make a sukkah, you make a bracha sukkah. But you don't make the bracha leishiv sukkah, because when you're making the sukkah, you're not actually sitting in the sukkah. And if you don't actually sit in the sukkah, you never fulfill the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. So even if making the sukkah could be considered a heksher and has the same level of cheshivas and even has a certain gedr of a mitzvah involved in it, but it's not the actual main mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. So similarly over here, by the Zdoinais, even if it is what gives you the capability to do the schus afterwards, you'd be able to do the Tshuva Ma'ava, but it's not the Tshuva Ma'ava itself. So how could it have the same level as the Tshuyas, as the Tshuva Ma'ava itself? It would have to somewhat be secondary. And then, but the, what's the, the second question, which the Rebbe says the Iker question is, is that not every time you have a Heksher does it become like a Mitzvah itself. A Heksher always is a something which leads up, um, something which is in the same the same category, it's the same, it's in the same sug 
um, it's, uh, it's, it's shaykh to the mitzvah itself. For example, when you're making the sukkah, you're making the lulav, you, th- this is connected to sitting in the sukkah or to shaking the lulav and asik. When you're taking the blood, that's connected to the idea of throwing it. But over here, when you're doing an avera, an avera is the exact opposite of doing shuva. So true, you know, after the fact, it might help you, but the actual thing itself is not a hash, is, is not something which is similar, uh, like a preparation for what's being done. On the contrary, it's the exact opposite. And more than that, viser mizu, is that we find, that, um, let's say, by trumas amaisris. So in order to do trumas amaisris, you need to be able to, you know, you need to sow, you need to plow, you need to sow, uh, you need to harvest, you need to gather in the grains. All those things are necessary in order to do the mitzvah of trumas amaisris. But nobody says that plowing and all these things are going to be considered a hechsher mitzvah. Why not? You can't do the mitzvah of trumas amaisris without doing a hechsher mitzvah. Elamai, it's not that any thing which is connected that you need in order for the mitzvah to be done is automatically considered a hechsher mitzvah. Rather, it needs to be something which is Hashem wants. Or, or in general, give a little introduction, that every single mitzvah has the general aspect to it, which that it's Hashem's Ratzin, that's just what Hashem wants. And then there's the details of the mitzvah, meaning is that the, by tefillin you're supposed to uh, tight, tighten it on your arm, by lulav you're supposed to shake it, by mila you're cutting off a piece of flesh. So in order for something to be considered a hachshar, it needs to have the first part. It has to be, this is the Ratzin of Hashem. Hashem wants this to be done. Hashem wants you to sin in the sukkah. So no, since Hashem wants you to sin in the sukkah, He obviously also wants you to make a sukkah. So therefore, that would be considered a hechsha mitzvah and it would have the gedorim of the hechsha mitzvah. But this making the sukkah wouldn't be the mitzvah of sitting. It's two different things. There's the making and the sitting. So in order to be a hechsha, you just need to have the Ratzin of Hashem. It's the Ratzin of Hashem that leads to the fulfillment of the mitzvah. But in order to be considered the mitzvah itself, it actually has to be the act that was ordained. Cut the orla sit in the sukkah, which of course the hachshah wouldn't have. So when we're looking over here uh, by, let's say, the trumas of Maestris, the plowing and all these things would not be considered even in the gedr of the ratzin of Hashem. The reasoning being, and this is a chiddush what the Rebbe says, I'll read, what he, I'll read to you what he says, he says, hatam. he says, because according to the Rajbi, he holds that it's plowing and working the field is something which is not desirable. As he says, it's efsha adam chayrish the zareya taramati allow a person's plowing and he's working in the field. What's going to be with the tire? Meaning, is you're really supposed to be spending your time doing tire and not working in the field. So, according to him, it's literally wrong. And but from Rashbi, we can learn that according to Rabbi Banan, even though it's not something wrong, but it's not something which would be considered something which is desirable and something which is you know la Most people can't handle the avoid of the Rashbi. So, of course, you work b'chulu. But the most desirable thing, even according to the Chaman, would not be not to put yourself in a situation of needing to plow, needing to do all these things. So therefore, since the hechsher is not something which is essentially desirable, therefore, uh, it's not going to be considered a hechsher for the mitzvah of trumas and So for sure, if that's by trumas and and you're doing a devar which is plowing, planting, etc., so for sure, when we're talking about doing an aver, which is the exact opposite of Hashem wants, for sure that cannot be considered a machsher, because that's the exact opposite of Hashem's rotsen. So... Our question comes back, how could the doinus, according to Allah, become schuyas? Um, so the rabbi gives a, a fascinating answer, and um, it's actually not very clear 100% what the rabbi is um, trying to say, and I saw different ways of different, uh, in the Arsubirum, how different people explained it. Uh, I'll just explain it to the way how I understood it, 
but uh, if you, but you know, each one to his own. So the way I understood what the Rebbe is trying to explain is like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the answer. That the Rebbe explains that the mitzvah of tshuva is a zivasachet, to make a strong resolution within your heart to turn away from the chet and to be a believer, to only do what Hashem wants in the future. You will not do it. You leave the, the sin, you remove it from your mind, and you make a strong resolution in your heart never to do it again. Which this is, in a sense, the same general idea of mitzvahs b'chlam, that you want to return to Hashem. So tshuva is to return to Hashem with a very strong gemir salaf. Tshuva ma'ava, we're saying, is that you're returning to Hashem, not just in a regular way, but you're returning to Hashem with a great thirst, a great desire. It's impossible to have tshuva with this type of thirst unless there is the union of a zadin there. So the zadin is not just a heksher, the Rebbe is trying to say. A zadin is an essential ingredient of the mitzvah itself. For example, when we're talking about, let's say, uh, making the sukkah and sitting in the sukkah. So those are two different acts. Technically, someone else can sit in the, make the sukkah, and then you can sit in the sukkah. So therefore, since it's not essential to the actual act of sitting in the sukkah, therefore it's considered a hachshar. When we're talking about tshuva ma'ava, it's impossible to have tshuva ma'ava unless there is the zadin that's giving you the thirst to become closer to Hashem. So it's part of the act itself of the mitzvah is having that thirst. And to explain a bit more what this means, and by explaining the difference, let's say, from tshuva ma'ava from a regular love, or tshuva ma'ava that the zadonis nasukus So let's say a regular tshuva ma'ava. So regular tshuva ma'ava, even a tshuva ma'ira, what is the idea? It's that you, because of your love to Hashem, you want to return to Him, you want to do what Hashem wants. Or because of your great fear to Hashem, you want to turn away from sin and not do it anymore. Technically, you can have tshuva ma'ira and tshuva ma'ava even without doing anything wrong. Because what, what is the feeling, essentially? This feeling really is that you want to return to Hashem. So you could be a tzaddik, and you're thinking about doing something wrong, but then you become scared and you don't do it. So you basically just did tshuva mi'ira. You didn't actually do anything wrong, so you didn't do the tactical halachic mitzvah of tshuva, because tshuva could only be done technically when you did something wrong. But nonetheless, the concept of tshuva mi'ira, you're able to always have. You're able to separate the yira from... Um, from the sin that you've done, or if you haven't done in a sin. So you could do a sin, and you could also have this tshuva mira from the sin. Or you could have never done the sin, but you could still have feelings of fear to Hashem, which will stop you from doing sins in the future. Or same thing with love. So what I'm trying to point out is that the love and the fear that goes with regular tshuva ma'ava, tshuva mira, is not something which is essentially connected to the sin. You could do a sin, and that in a sense, pushes you to start thinking about what you did and thinking about Hashem. And therefore, you'll come up with a love and a fear of Hashem. But it's two separate acts. Masha came over here, when we're talking about a truth of a yira, where you have, a, you have a, a thirst and a desire, you can never have a connection to Hashem, which, ha, uh, which comes from a thirst and, 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 and feeling very distant, unless there was a zadin there initially. So the zadin is part of the ingredients. You cannot have it without it. So the zadin is not you know, step one, and then you have step two. This is part of the act itself. It's impossible to return to Hashem with a thirst unless you have a thirst. Right? I think hopefully that's clear. In order to have a return to Hashem because of thirst, you need to have the thirst. So the thirst is part of the mitzvah, having the thirst and returning to Hashem. Therefore, what we're trying to say is that the, 
the this type of tshuva miur when there's a doinus nasaklis I usually a hechsher cannot. A, as we said, we had two questions. The hechsher is not the schuyas itself, and B, a hechsher could only become even be considered as a hechsher when it's something that Hashem wants. Uh, over here, it's not. So the answer is we're not talking about a hechsher. Zedoinus nasikus is not because of a hechsher mitzvah. It's actually more than that. It's because these zedoinus are part and parcel of the mitzvah. It's it's part of the act of the mitzvah itself. It's just like cutting of the bris milah or sitting in the sukkah. So in order to sit in the sukkah. Uh, you actually need to be inside of the sukkah. So you're not going to say there's, may, uh, there's having the sukkah and sit in the, and then there's being inside of it. Having the sukkah and being inside of it, those are, is one thing. Having the, cutting the mila and getting rid of the mila is also, it's all part of the same thing. So similarly, you're having the thirst and because of that thirst, you're, you're returning to Hashem with a thirst. With the thirst is part of the returning and therefore it's part of the mitzvah itself. Therefore, you cannot have the tshuva uh, from this ava gdela with the tzimayin unless there was a zedainus. Therefore, the zedainus nasachus because it is an essential part of the mitzvah itself. It's part of the mitzvah. And the rabbi gives an example of this um, from the mitzvah of Puruvu. So the, uh, the Ran, this is a famous Ran in Kedushan. Um, so the Gemara tells us that, uh, that um, a woman is able to send a shluch, uh, shliach to accept Kedushan. She could accept the Kedushan herself, or she can send, send the uh, a shliach to accept the Kedushan. I, if she's able to send the shliach, of course she could send it herself. So the Gemara tells us the Kiddush is that mitzvah that it's better for her, to, there's always a rule that it's better for you to do the mitzvah than to send someone else to do a mitzvah. So if you said a shlucha, of course she can do it, but the Gemara is trying to tell you still, is trying to say there's an, union of, there's an union of doing it yourself. So the Ran asks, what's the mitzvah of a woman being in a condition? A woman doesn't have a mitzvah of having children. The mitzvah of Kedushin comes from the idea of having children. Since she doesn't have a mitzvah to have any children, that's a mitzvah on the man. L'chayr, there's no mitzvah. So he explains that since in order for the man to be able to do the mitzvah, he needs to have the woman to be able to be part of that mitzvah. Because if there's no woman, the man cannot have a child. So it comes out that the woman is not just a hechsher of the mitzvah or that she's you know, being mishtatif in a mitzvah that he could have done on his own. She's an integral part of the mitzvah itself. So when you have the ish, and the, uh, so over here, the woman is not secondary, is not a hachshar, she's part of the mitzvah, because in order for the mitzvah to be done, she has to be part of that union uh, for the child to be created. Therefore, we're saying, yes, mitzvah boy, yes, mishlucha, that since she is part of the mitzvah, she actually... Um, would would uh, would be considered that she's doing a mitzvah, and therefore there's a mitzvah which is very interesting. So mitzvah because she's actually part uh, of the mitzvah. So she has also has these other gedarim that come with it, that being involved herself regarding being makab the kedushin, and not having someone else do it for her. Um. Fine. So that that is the main part of the sicha. The Rebbe then goes to give a bunch of examples um, where we find this idea, these two ideas really, that a hechsher can be, sometimes a hechsher can become a mitzvah itself. And also the second idea, that a zadoinus can sometimes become the mitzvah itself. The Rebbe, it, it, this is something which was added by the Rebbe in the Sicha, but this Ksaviyat Kachay, and therefore it's really bekitzer and it's very difficult to understand. But I will do the best I can to explain, at least in short. So the Rebbe says, These digmois, al kapana me'ain, 
example, here are some examples. So one thing, I, one thing is that when do we see that a machshiv a mitzvah become a mitzvah itself? So some examples we have in Chinuch. For example, um, by the Karbanis, when the, when the, when the, the Mishkan was being made, for the first eight days, they had the Shivas Miyam and they brought all the Karbanis to inaugurate the uh, Mishkan. Um, we also have the Minchas Chinuch of the Kainim. Whenever there's a new Kain, this first day on the job, you bring what's called a Minchas Chinuch. He brings a special Mincha, which is on your first day of the job. There's also a Mitzvah of Chinuch of a father to teach his son Taira. So to teach the son Taira, that's actually a Mitzvah Minha Taira, to teach the son Taira. Amashain can teach him how to do the Mitzvahs, which is just a Mitzvah of Durbanan. But either way, with all these three things, what is the mitzvah? The mitzvah is really the child from when he reaches 13 to be able to know how to learn Tyra. The mitzvah by the, the Kayin is that, is that once he's after, is for him to be able to do the Avaid itself, or the base of Mikdash or the Mishkan to actually be utilized for Karbanis. But in order for that to happen, there needs to be the Schinuch, there needs to be the training. So you have the training of the Shifts of you have the first day where the Kayin trains by bringing the the child is being trained. So the Chayra, all these things are just a hechshar. It's a hechshar for the Kayin or the Mishkan, all these things to be able to do the Avaida afterwards. But nonetheless, these things are considered a mitzvah minatayra on their own. Another example is there is a mitkim and mitzvah in Gaulis. So the Sifri tells them, the Samtimus Dvari, that when we're in Gaulis, this is the opinion of the Sifri, I don't think everybody agrees with it, but either way, the Sifri says that. Even when I put you into Golas, I want you to do the mitzvahs, so when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, you should not, they should not be like new in your eyes. Meaning is that the mitzvahs are really, the, the, uh, the, where are the mitzvahs supposed to be kept in Eretz Yisrael? I, why do we do it in Golas? The only reason we do it in Golas is that we'll know what to do when Mashiach comes, and when we come back to Eretz Yisrael. So, if you're in Golas and doing a mitzvah, that means, according to the Sifri, it's just really a hachshar, it's a preparation, so from when you come to er- eventually into Eretz Yisrael, that's when you're going to do it for real. It's like you're training. You know, it's like uh, you're training in the army, so for when you eventually fight a battle, you know what to do. But Papayal, it's not just a training. When you do the mitzvah singalis, it's not, oh, you're just doing a hechshar, you're preparing, but you didn't actually accomplish the mitzvah. You actually are doing the mitzvah itself. So it's not like by the sukkah, where you build the sukkah, but if you don't actually sit in the sukkah, you didn't do the mitzvah. Here, when you're putting on the tefillin, even though that's a preparation, but that itself is, that, is the mitzvah itself, according to the um, sifri. And then we have a few examples of this idea where Zedoynes becomes Chuyes within a mitzvah itself. So within a mitzvah itself, we find sometimes something which is negative, but this negative, this thing which is usually a vera, we can find by certain mitzvahs that you do in a vera, which that itself becomes the mitzvah. Uh, so he gives a few examples by Kabbanis. We have the Sayur HaMeshtaleach, um, we have the, uh, the Paraduma and the Eglo Rufa. So these three kabbanis, the Sar Mishtelech is the carbon that was was brought on Yom Kippur, which was uh, the Azaza, which was kill, uh, thrown over the mountain. The Paraduma is the red heifer, and the Egla Rufa is a korban which is brought when there is a mess, which is found between two cities, and you don't know uh, the, the city which is closer has to bring a korban if they don't know who the killer is. Anyways, these things are considered a karbanis, but the rule is you're not allowed to bring a korban outside of the base of Mikdash. That's an Avera. So it's, it's a chiv karis. Bringing a carbon outside of the base of Mikdash is something which is considered very disrespectful for Hashem, and it's sinful. But nonetheless, by these three things, you're doing a mezid, you're purposefully doing, bringing these korbanas outside, but nonetheless, you're fulfilling a mitzvah. So we can see sometimes that you do something wrong, a mezid, but the, that this mezid thing is really part of the ratzin of Hashem. 
Um, so I guess that could be some, that's similar to what we we're saying before. When a person, let's say, does a zadin, he eats treif. So there'd be certain scenarios where a person eats treif, even though I, eating treif, how could that ever be a schos? But in certain scenarios, that zadin of eating treif could be, be considered a mitzvah, let's say in a situation of pekuch nefesh. You're not allowed to eat it. Ah, but pekuch nefesh all of a sudden becomes a mitzvah. So similarly over here, you're not allowed to do an avera, and you did an avera, but when you do tshuva ma'ava, comes out that that was actually needed in order to do tshuva ma'ava. So therefore, it gets uplifted with it. Uh, we have another example of the par that Eliyahu Navi brought, Bahar Caramel. So usually, again, you're not allowed to bring any karbanis outside the base of Mikdash, but Eliyahu Navi brought it, Bahar Caramel, in order to bring the people back to tshuva. Uh, we have another idea of which from it itself, the, from, the, from the tree itself comes the wood of the handle of the axe. So this is used in Tanya to explain the idea of how uh, depression, which is an avera, which is something which is very bad, but sometimes depressions could be used to be able to destroy the Yitzhar. So again, so depression is bad. It's, it's amazing. It's something which is, shows on a lack of faith of Hashem. But Dafka, through this sadness, you're able to utilize it to, to, to fight against the Yitzhar, as the altar explains, that with times that you're feeling sad anyways, so you're in a situation where you're feeling sad, which is, again, a, meaning you're in a situation of lack of belief, he says, but take that, that, that depression and use it to think about the Chavay's life and different things and, and utilize that sadness to be able to destroy the Yitzhar. Uh, and then we have a Kla Godel, he says, and we know that Pekuch Nefesh pushes away all the Ve'er Shabbatayra. Except for three. So, Pekuch Nafesh, saving a life, is the most important thing. But nonetheless, and we know that if a person kills himself or even does any of the mitzvahs uh, when he's not supposed to, when he's supposed to save his life, it's considered suicide. Suicide's one of the worst things. But nonetheless, we're saying that there's three mitzvahs that you need to give up your life. So, you kill yourself in order not to do those shleish averis of Gilarai, Shrikhaz Damim, and Avaydazar. I, killing yourself or letting yourself be killed is an avera. But nonetheless, we're seeing that sometimes a mezid could be utilized for, for Hashem's sake. So all these examples, what we're seeing over here is that you're doing something which is a zadin, something which is essentially bad. So our question is, how can something which is essentially bad all of a sudden become something which is essentially good? So the answer is, we see all these examples, that sometimes Hashem wants these things to be done. So since Hashem wants, let's say in the case of Kuch uh, Nefesh, um, in case of Kuch Nefesh, he wants you to do this Avera in order to survive. So now all of a sudden, this Avera is actually part of the mitzvah saving your life. Or the other way around, uh, by the Shlesh Avera, so say if a person comes to, wants to do a Vaydazar and you give your, up your life, so giving up your life is something which is a Zadin. But over here, it's part of the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. So a Zadin, even things which are usually Avera, sometimes could be utilized for the mitzvah. So that's the same idea of Zadin Tznas in general. Okay, so now we're going to finish off the shir with the siyam of Masechus Yuma. So at the end of Masechus Yuma, the Gemara tells us that um, that someone who sees a carry on Yoyim Hakipurim, he should be worried the entire year. And if he finishes the year, then he, it's muftach, it's, it's clear, it's, he's secure that he is a better Alam Haba. So Nachba Yitzchak says you should know that the whole world was hungry. Meaning, as nobody had any relations on that day, but Husava, and he satisfied me. He didn't have any relations, but he had this seminal discharge. And he, when Rav Dimi came, he said, Asagi that he will have lots of life and he will have lots of children, according to how Rashi explains it. So the question the Rebbe asks is A, first of all, 
the whole Masechta is talking about Kapara. This parak was talking about Tshuva and forgiveness. So how does it make sense that the last shtickle of the Gemara talks about something which is an Avera, that he had, even if it was accidental, it was a Shaygig, that he had the seminal discharge. And true that the Gemara finishes off that if he survives the year, then he's Muftah Haba, but that's not happening in Yom Kippur itself. Yom Kippur itself, something negative happened. And just that if he survives the year, he did whatever he needed to do in order to survive the year, that means that he's a Ben Ilam Haba. But on Yom Kippur itself, something is negative. So why finish the Masechta, about, which is talking about how Yom Kippur brings forgiveness, with something that is negative on the day of Yom Kippur, which he's not getting forgiveness for? And second of all, we need to understand is that it says, Haroya. Uh, how could it be that when you see a Kera in Yom Kippurim, that will be something which makes him a Ben Elam Haba, and something which be, t- tells him that he will have children and have long life? Um, h- how does that work? Something negative brings something positive. So according to how we... Uh, one last question is also the Lashen. It says, if he has a carry, he should w- be worried the whole year. Usually the expression in Gemaris is always simon. Like if something happens to you, it's a simon. It's a sign that... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign that he should be worried the whole year. He doesn't write that it's a sign. He's telling you actually what to do. You should worry the whole entire year. So the explanation based on what we've been saying until this time, point in time is that the Gemara is talking about different levels of tshuva. There's tshuva ma'ava, tshuva mi'ira. Within tshuva itself, we're talking about one level of ava where it just cleanses the person from sin. But then there's a tshuva ma'ava that until there's a dainus la'ilas kashuyas. So the Gemara over here is telling us... Um, an example of this idea, that when a person sees a carry on Yom Kippurim, this is something which is very improbable, because on Yom Kippur, he's fasting, he's daving to Hashem, he's on a high spiritual level, he, he doesn't want to have a carry, but nonetheless, it, against his will, he's having a carry. Why is that? So Rashi explains to us, the reasoning is, because it's a sign from above, that Hashem is not satisfied with your tshuva. It's like a rav that uh, you serve your rav wine and he sh- sh- throws it back in your face. So when we're here, you're trying to have these five, you know, you're trying to stay away from marriage relations, try not to have food. And what does he do? He makes you have the seminal discharge on Yom Kippur. It's in a sense showing that he's not happy with your vayda. So what does that mean? In, in, that inspires you to do more, to work even harder, to have a greater level of tshuva, to knowing that Hashem is not satisfied, that you're so distanced from Hashem, that Hashem's not satisfied with the level of tshuva that you have, or it's not where you're supposed to be. So this explains why it says, it doesn't say it's a simon that he should be worried, or simon something's going to be bad. It's telling that you die, Kalashan, you should be worried. The whole year means you should be doing tshuva the entire year, because the tshuva that you did in Yom Kippur was not good enough, and you need to be able to reach a higher level of tshuva. You die, Kalashan. And then when you reach this high level of tshuva, two things could happen. First thing that happens is if you only reach the higher level of just a regular Truva Ma'ava, then you're Muftach Leishuban Ma'ava. Why? Because the various Vataka cleanse. And therefore you'll be Olam Ma'ava. It's clear that you're a Tzaddik and therefore you're protected and nothing bad happened that year. But if you do the deeper level uh, of Truva, which is the Dainis Nasla Kaschuyas, then Rav Timi said that you Mapishchai, you will have long life, Sagi Maski, with many uh, children. That's when there's a Dainis Nasla Kaschuyas that not only will you be saved and you'll have a year of Chaim, but you'll actually get addition, additional war. And what's the mile over here? What's, what are we adding in this shtickle over that we've been doing, saying the whole time? So there's a few things. First of all, when you're seeing the Karyum Kippurim, it's mudgush, it's something bad which has happened, but it's clear that this is Bashlach Aliyani, that something bad can happen, but Hashem wants that bad thing to happen in order for you to reach a higher level of tshuva, which that's a, a clear example 
and that what we had before. Before, when we're talking about a Zodainus, obviously Hashem doesn't want it to happen. But once it happens, there is a desire that Hashem had that that Avera that you did should be able to be transformed to good. So Bepnimius, even when a person does Avera, how could a Yid possibly do an Avera? The Pnimius Dika reason why a Yid could ever do an Avera is because he's, it's, it's a reason for him to get even closer to Hashem. So over here we see this idea that he has a carry, which is Shalev and but the purpose is in order for him to come closer to Hashem. The second thing we see is um, through being Yedai Kalashana, through having the Shlema Sakavana, then you're able to transform the Zodainus into Schuyas. Something you weren't able to accomplish what you need to accomplish in Yom Kippur. But through reaching a deeper level of Chuba, then you are able to transform uh, the Zodainus into Schuyas and you're able to add in life, etc., etc. And the third thing is, is that we're seeing that through Avaidah of Chuba, it's not just a spiritual. Uh, transformation that happens, but this transformation even has a physical effect that the person has long life and he has children, etc., etc.